0: Good morning, Aldergrove. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is so good to be here with you together today. Uh, Amelia did it before, but we're going to do it again. I'm going to say, he is risen. You say, he is risen indeed, and we're going to do that three times. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. Hallelujah. You could also say, that's wonderful, apparently. Uh, But today is Easter Sunday, and Easter weekend is when we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's also a family Sunday for us, which means the kids are in the service. Kids, give us a wave. Where's the kids at? All right, kids. Now, kids have received, I believe, a coloring pack and a snack pack. Kids, show us that snack pack. There are some really tasty looking things in there. And the whole snack pack is kind of designed to unpack the story of Easter for kids to engage with it. Now, kids, I'm going to need your attention just for a moment here, because I have a question for you. How many have started to eat your snack pack? Just throw me a hand. (laughs) Okay. How many of you have no intention of eating this thing, you're just going to put it in your pocket for later? No one. How many kids are already done? <laughs> yeah, I, I think sometimes just going for it is the best way to do it. There's not a lot of kids, I don't think, who are planning to take that snack pack and put it in their pocket and just, you know, reflect, because it's just good to know sometimes you have a snack, right? And what would it look like, like kids, if we were to approach Easter not in a put-it-in-your-pocket-and-remember-it kind of way? but to engage with every last bit. In John chapter 20, we have the story of the resurrection of Jesus. And John, as he writes his gospel, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so he writes the story of how the tomb is empty. And so John and Peter race there. And I think it's so funny that he's like, but I got there first. He's just like, you know, when you're reading the Bible, remember, I'm faster. But John, he got to the tomb and he stood outside, it says. He stood at a distance and peeked in. Whereas Peter, when he showed up, he went right into the tomb and he's like, Jesus was here, but now he's gone. And so like kids and like Peter, what would it look like today if we did not just observe Easter, if we didn't just know Easter, if we stood at a distance, we put it in our pocket, but rather we enter in with every last bit that's available for us, so we don't just know, but participate. I, uh, I did prepare for this sermon, but I did a lot more praying, because I think that today God has something for us. I think that God wants to take us from knowing to experiencing. From having an awareness and, and putting it in your pocket to taking it out and, and, and actually participating in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. A few years ago, Emily and I and Ezra went to Israel and we went to what is called the Garden Tomb. Has anyone been to the Garden Tomb? History is complicated. Uh, it's probably not Jesus' tomb. But it is a first-century tomb of a rich man. So if if this isn't Jesus' tomb, his tomb would have looked a lot like this. And so we went to the garden tomb, and you kind of waited. Every 30 minutes, they would take a group through, and there was five or six people in our group. And in our group was a blind man. And it's interesting to go on a tour with a blind man because the guide was wonderful, but they would take you to a place, and they would say, see the view and see the wine press, and see the olive tree. And he was a very gracious person, and he listened, and he reflected. And so we went on our tour through the garden tomb, and finally we end up at the tomb itself, and the door is just on the left. And if you go through that door, it's kind of an entryway, and then the tomb itself, and between the two is a gate. It's it's there because there's so many people that have been visiting the tomb over the years. They put up the gate just to preserve the historical Integrity of where not necessarily Jesus was laid, but where he may have been laid. And so we stood on the outside. And you can observe, but you cannot enter in. And it was this beautiful moment where the guide, she took out her key and she said, I'm not normally supposed to do this. But she said to the blind man, I want you to experience. And she unlocked the gate and she took him by the hands into the tomb. And she began to place his hands at different places in the tomb. And she would say, this is where they would have prepared his body. This is where they would have laid his head. This is how the disciples and the women would have come in and looked. And as we stood, the rest of the group was in the entryway, but here's this blind man in the tomb. And as she says these things, he just keeps saying, I see, I see, I see. And it was this moment of a a blind man who had missed the entire tour because we were sightseeing. And he enters into the tomb and he touches and he says, I see. And it's a picture of grace. It's a picture of invitation. Where the gate has been opened and we are invited not just in the front door. And not just into the entryway but into the very empty tomb. And like blind men and women, we are invited to see. I think so many of us are content to observe Easter behind the gate. We're content to stand outside the door and peek. But Jesus, he invites us in. It's a picture of grace to experience life in a way that we could not imagine, to participate in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Now, you might say it seems kind of a weird Kool-Aid thing to talk about participating in that, and it is weird, but it's not weird quite like that. See, the core truth of the gospel is that Jesus, though he was innocent, God made flesh He lived a perfect life. He was convicted, crucified, and died. He was laid in a tomb, and three days later, he rose. And by a miracle of grace, when you and I believe that is true, we experience forgiveness of sins and an invitation to a life that starts now and goes for all eternity. See, this is the gospel. This is the core of what we remember, but even more than knowing this, the reality is is that the the death and resurrection of Jesus is our death and our resurrection as well. The Apostle Paul, he was writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he actually writes a prayer, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, and I pray that the eyes of your heart this morning, altar grove, that they would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. See, the power that's at work in us in this room right now, that is the same power that was the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So there's a power that God worked to raise Christ. And that power is here today. And Paul continues and he says, As for you... And me, Aldergrove, we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us, let's look around the room, every single one of us, me, I think the first and worst, See, from a heavenly perspective, we have box seats. We are sitting with the owner and creator of the universe. Paul writes a little shorter in the book of Colossians. He says, since then, Aldergrove, this morning, since you have already been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have already died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So Aldergrove, the death of Christ is our death. And the resurrection of Christ is our life. Paul figures out how to boil it down even further. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What this kind of means is if you were to phone me right now, spiritually speaking, you would get an answering machine that says, John isn't here right now, but if you'd like to leave a message with Jesus, he'll make sure that he gets it. And it's not that I am not John, It's just that the John that I am being transformed into is the John that God has always wanted me to be. There is a fullness to the life that we are offered. Christ's crucifixion is our death. His resurrection is our life. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Now, you might be wondering, how can death be good news? I mean, death is bad, right? But sometimes death is a life-giving mercy. If you have an infection, what do you take? Antibiotics. Antibiotics, anti-against, biotics, life. Literally, you are bringing death to something so that the rest may live. If you've got weeds in a garden, in a garden, you pull them out in order to see fruit. If you have pests in a pantry, you might place poison. Say that five times fast. Because the health of those who eat from the pantry is dependent on the death of the pests. I have sin and selfishness in my life, and it prevents me from seeing the kind of life that God has always wanted. And when I see that die, there is this glorious mercy at the cross where the kingdom of John comes to an end. And see, the kingdom of John is everywhere where I'm in charge. It's where I set the rules, it's where I get what I want, and everything else comes second to that. And you have your own kingdom as well. And nothing good comes of my kingdom. And so when I stop living my way, I experience not grief, but freedom and deliverance. And it's like dropping a soul-crushing burden and seeing it roll away. And the same can be true for us today. Sometimes we bring it once and it's done by a glorious miracle. And sometimes we bring it and we think it's done. And like Monty Python, we hear, I'm not dead yet. And so we bring it back to the cross again and again and again. And by the grace of God, I will see the kingdom of John dead yet. And so what do you need to see die? See, the crucifixion is death, but it is, it is a beautiful mercy because it is the death of all that is preventing life. Maybe an addiction or a habit or a pattern of behavior of anger or pettiness or unforgiveness or just an attitude. Maybe it's just that you're living as the king or the queen of your own life and you need to see it all burn. See, the cross is open for us. It's where death can die. What would it look like to participate? And on Easter Sunday, we remember not just crucifixion, but resurrection. New life at the empty tomb. See, Christ on the cross is where he died. Christ in the tomb was where he was laid, but that empty tomb is where he is no longer. Even if you were to go back to the tomb, what you would be looking for, the significance of that place, is that there's nothing to find. And sometimes when we go to the empty tomb, we find nothing, and like Mary, we turn and we see the face of Jesus. So Christ on the cross, but he rose again to give new life, and this is the Gospel. And every time in my life, I've experienced the death of something at the cross. I've experienced God's rich grace to see something else in its place. It's not just the mercy of death, it's the grace of new life. Many of you know I've had health challenges over the past 18 months. And for a long time, I was able to, unable to do so many things that I loved to read, to play board games, to go for bike rides, simply because I haven't had the energy. And in December, we had some people from the prayer team come and pray with us. And since then, God has done something amazing in my life. Something amazing in my life. (laughs) It's not been a light switch, and I'm not all better, but it has been a steady and a continuous and an undeniable improvement. I am completely different now from who I was four months ago. You can ask my family, and it is in small ways. And this week, I experienced a moment of grace. And so when we talk about resurrection, when we talk about grace, sometimes we imagine something unimaginable. But for me, it involved sitting in a chair, reading a book, And Emily had an early start at work the next morning, so she went to bed, and I stayed up and I read. And then I closed my book and I did a couple things around the house, and then I went to bed. And for me, that was the grace of God in my life. It was a moment where I experienced resurrection. And see, we aren't called just to observe the resurrection not just to know that it's there. We don't just put it in our pocket and leave. We are invited to participate in the mercy of the crucifixion and the grace of the empty tomb. We don't just know, we experience. See, at the cross, we realize we are all sinners in need of grace, which means hypocrisy has no place here. Philip Yancey says there's two kinds of sinners. Those who admit and those who deny. And at the cross we come and I know how much you need to repent. Because I look inside and I see how much I need the cross. And so we are called for this merciful death. And at the empty tomb we realize that God has given life. And cynicism breathes its last because we are given hope. And I don't know about you, but I find myself often sliding into cynicism and hypocrisy. And I am tired of it. See, I want to know Christ. And as hard as this is to pray, I want to know the power of his crucifixion. To participate in that so that somehow I might also attain to the life to which he has called me. And not just me, but us, Aldergrove. And sometimes we hear us and we point it to the people on either side. So, what I want you to hear is me, and not me, but you, me. So, when you hear it, you think, for me, and not me, but you. (laughs) This is for us. This isn't stand outside the tomb, this is participate. This is experience crucifixion. This is experience resurrection. Not just for me, but for us. Not just for us, but for you, Pat and Rad, that you would experience crucifixion and resurrection. For you, John and Dan, that you would experience crucifixion and resurrection. Joel and Sarah, that you would experience crucifixion and resurrection. That whole crew of youth, are they up there? They're there, so quiet. (laughs) For all of the youth that you would experience the crucifixion and the resurrection. For the seniors, that you would experience crucifixion and resurrection. See, I've been praying for this week. I've been praying for this message. I've been preparing, but I've been praying more because I believe that God wants to do something today. I think so many of us have settled into observing, into familiarity, that it has been emptied of its power. And we no longer believe that 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 which we so desperately want to see gone in our lives, we no longer believe it will leave. And that which we are soul achingly thirsty for, we no longer believe we will receive. And I think today God wants to change our minds. That we would not just know, but we would experience. So what would you do if God wanted to do something for you right now? See, one thing that helps us believe that God can still still do these things is hearing stories of how it's done. We don't have enough time to go through and ask everybody to share their experiences over this year, but I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to ask you, I know it's cheesy. I know it's ridiculous. I know you're probably going to feel like students, and students, this might feel completely normal. But I'm going to ask a series of questions, and if the answer for you is yes, as you think you're like, okay, Yeah. I can say yes to this. What I want you to do is, is raise your hand. And sure, you, you could just do the finger and just be like, mm. you could do a nod. But if you are a little more confident, what it does is it teaches us as a church that God is still at work. And so if you could aim for over your shoulder. <laughs> and as I ask these questions, don't look at me. Look around. So if we could get the lights up just a little bit there. Thank you, Niall. So I'm gonna ask a question. And if the answer for you is yes, would you raise your hand as far as your shoulder or higher? So God, I pray that you would bring to mind all you've done. And as we see these hands, that we would recognize that these are not just hands, but these are stories and testimonies of what you have done. And God, as we see these hands, I pray that you would stir in us faith that you continue to invite us to participate. So God, stir faith in us. So have you in this last year seen reconciliation or restoration in a broken relationship? If you have, would you just raise your hand? Don't look at me. Don't, these are stories. Look around. I can, you're looking at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> See these stories. Every one of these hands is a story of God at work. Thank you. Have you gone in this last year from feeling dry, broken, cynical, or all used up, to experiencing a renewal of hope, of purpose, of life, or significance? If that's the case, would you raise your hand? You're still looking at me. Look around. These are stories. These are people that if you said, could we go for coffee? They would talk to you for 30 or 40 minutes of what God has done in them. Do you have a story or a season where it felt like you heard God's voice or experienced his leading in a new or deeper way this year? If that is you, would you raise your hand? Look at these hands. These are stories. Have you experienced God's provision this year in a specific way, in finances, in relationships, or employment? If that's the case, would you raise your hand? These are what God is doing Do you have an unhealthy habit, an addiction, a sin, an attitude, or a destructive pattern in your life that has significantly improved or disappeared altogether? See, this is the crucifixion. This is the empty tomb. This is God at work in us. And so I ask God that you would fill us with an understanding of the power that was at work in Christ when you raised him from the dead, and that we would understand that that is the same power that is at work in us right now. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. And in a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a few songs. But now I want to invite you that the gate is opened. Would you let God take you by the hands? and bring you in, and that you could say, I see. And so what for you needs to die? And where does God want to bring life? So you might be desperate to see reconciliation or restoration in a broken relationship, or to offer or receive forgiveness. You might be feeling cynical, dry, broken, or all used up, and you might need to experience renewal. You might be desperate to hear God's voice, to see him at work in a significant way. You might need specific provision. You might have something in your life that is slowly but steadily bringing death and unhealth. And maybe you've never met Jesus and you feel the weight of sin and guilt. There's a deep chasm in your soul that you've never been able to fill. And maybe you've just spent lot of time building your own kingdom. Jesus offers forgiveness as we believe who he says he is. And he invites us to walk with him in a new way. And so if you have never met Jesus, we would love to talk to you. So I encourage you, don't leave this place until you understand what an experience would look like for you. So I don't want to manipulate. If this is something you truly, genuinely take home with you, bring it home with you. But I would encourage you Maybe it's a response in worship. You'll open your hands and say, God, take this from me, or God, I need from you. Maybe it's something you turn to the person beside you and say, Listen, can I just share and can you pray? We have a prayer team here and here. And I'm not sure if we've got some in the prayer room back there. We do. So if we want, if you would like prayer, we would love to pray for you. But I would invite you that the stone has been rolled away. The gate is open and you are invited in. So come past the gate and experience the truth of the resurrected Christ.